You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul here, and we are talking about the fact that there's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart, a glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part to reach out and touch it with love. One of my favorite songs, Beautiful Lyrics by A.B. Rottenberg. Many of us talk about the courage to believe in God, the courage to believe in religion, the courage to believe in goodness, the courage to be optimistic. But there's another courage, the courage to believe in each other. Most of us think that we have that the crisis of faith, the ultimate crisis of faith, is the crisis of faith in God. But the truth is that the real crisis of faith is the one that we have in each other. I don't believe in God. So what do you believe in? Do you believe in your fellow human being? No. And I'd argue that they're both a crisis. Not believing in God has tremendous ramifications, and not believing in the human being has tremendous ramifications. Not believing in the other human being's dignity, respect, worthiness, asset, value, how incredible they are. How often we just hear ourselves or the people around us being so condescending and so blasé about somebody else without realizing the tremendous value that each and every one of us have. How often do we give up, whether it's a relative that's just impossible, so we say, I don't want to have anything to do with you, a student in our school, a child who's very difficult, a friend, a person of society, where we just give up. A friend falls into addiction, and we just give up on them. Our friend is, m- makes mistakes, falls into a depression, and we give up on them. You know, happy, fun-loving, sarcastic people often have a lot of friends. But what happens when that same person goes into a dark space? How many people will tell you that the moment they fell into the pit of life, they've discovered that they had no friends? Because the, the people who they thought were their friends were only fair-weathered friends and weren't there during the difficult times. I'm not saying this about everybody. There are a tremendous amount of people who are real friends. At the same time, there's many of us who give up on each other very quickly. We want success stories. And, and I'll, be, you know, I'll be honest, even in the rabbinate, uh, you could fall into the trap if you're, the cler- if you're in clergy and you want to impact somebody. So in your definition of success, if you're superficial, you'll say, I need to make that person religious. I need to make that person grow. But what if that person is not growing at the pace that you want? They're not even growing, seemingly, or they're growing snail pace. What do you do? Often you give up. If you're not a true leader, you give up. Why? It's not worth my time. I remember somebody telling me, a colleague saying, I only invest my time in people that I see results. If I don't see results, I move on. Now, logically, that makes a lot of sense. What do you mean? Obviously, you have a quantifiable amount of time. 
so invest in people that you'll have success. But that is such a condescending approach to your fellow human being, where you're pretty much saying, you're not moving at the pace that I decided you need to move at, so I'm giving up at you. I'm giving up because you're not going to be my success story. I'm looking for success stories. I don't see you as an individual. I see you as a means of my success, that I can move you forward. As teachers, often we'll spend a lot of time with the kids that are clever or the kids that that are maybe challenging, the other extreme, but that make us feel at the end of the day that we're successful. But what about the average kid, the kid that's not a genius and, you know, stimulating your mind, the kid that's not a troublemaker, which is going to make you feel like you saved their soul? Just a nice, sweet kid. They often get overlooked because they, you, you don't walk home at the end of the day feeling you've added much value to them. We're looking for success. But often in the race to success and the race to accomplish what we want to do in this world, we overlook the humanity in each other. We just see each other as a means to an end. And, you know, people of means, people who are wealthy, they'll often say that when people are talking to them, there's always an agenda. Hey, how are you, Mr. Goldberg? How's everything? Fantastic. Ah, how's business? And all you're, you're waiting for the next question, and that is, can I please have a donation? Can I please have a job? <laughs> Why? Because automatically that person is no longer an end on themselves. They're a means to an end. You see, when politicians come, everybody's smiling, right? I, I love it. When politicians come, every time you see a picture of a politician surrounded by people, everyone's smiling. The guy could have said the dumbest joke, but everyone's smiling. Why? Everyone wants to find favor with the politician. Why? Because if your friend's a politician, la, 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 it's, it's all hunky-dory and you're going to get what you want. Now, if the politician has half a brain, he realizes that all the smiles are smiles of steward. This is on a plane, basically fake. But often we, we, we buy it from each other. We, just, we, we allow each other to play games. Instead of seeing each other as an end on itself, I see you, the value of you as a human being, rather than what can I get out of you? Do you have connections? Do you have money? Do you have popularity? Do you make me feel good when I talk to you? You're good looking, you're exciting, you're stimulating. What about you? Is ex- so it's not really about you. I'm asking what can you offer me? You're a means to an end to make me feel good with myself. The second you're just rambling on and talking nonsense, or you're talking about things that don't interest me. So I'm not going to listen to you because I'm interested in me and you're boring. And you see it often. You sit in a conversation and the second, and we're all guilty. I'm guilty of it as well. The second the person starts talking eventually about things you don't want to hear or not interested in, you just totally zone out. You're not interested in the person. If that's what interests the person, then that's what you listen to. You're sitting down. You're talking to your husband. You're talking to your wife. And they're talking about something which seemingly has no relevance. This is what happened. I worked there and blah, 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 blah. And he said that and she said that, et cetera, et cetera. And the easy thing to say is like, roll your eyes and say, boring. But the question is, do you care about them? If you care about them, and that's what they're interested in talking to you about, then that's what they're interested in talking about. So if your six-year-old kid is sitting across you and they want to share the drama about what happened in school that the teacher said did, and the kid did this, and this happened, that happened with with all excitement, and you have no idea who they're talking about, you have no idea who Sarah is and David, and you have no idea what she's talking about, but that's what interests her. Listen, 
because you care about her. You don't care about what she could do for you. The courage to look at other people not as mirrors of me. The, the whole world is not here to make me feel good with myself. A million Chinese are there to make iPhones that I should be able to have an iPhone. And, the, uh, and these people are there to make clothes. And the, these people are there to build my house. And these people, everyone's there for me. And everyone's a means to an end how I can have a greater life, how I can be more exciting, how I can have everything I want. Such a condescending approach. Imagine we could just look at each other and see God's image. God blew a soul into that human being. And that person's created in the image of God. And that person is not just a means to an end. They're an end on itself. They have intrinsic value regardless of what they do for you. And that's a thought on 101.9 High FM here on Soul to Soul, the Farbringen Show, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. This is Rabbi Levi You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi at Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. And we are Farbringen. You can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. And you can SMS us at 34519. Here on the Soul to Soul Network at Chai FM. And today we're talking about the courage to believe in each other. The courage to see each other as more than just numbers. The great the greatest people that you'll ever meet are the people who see the value of a human being. I I was lucky I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and although I was young at the time. I grew up in the neighborhood of Labaracher Rebbe. And Labaracher Rebbe had a, obviously many, many you know, unique things, and a lot of books have been written about him. And one of the things that always deeply resonated is the tremendous respect he had of any human being, any race, color, creed, religion. And every person that came across him, you see it on videos, because on Sunday he would spend six, seven hours every Sunday handing out dollars for charity to whoever came by. And the people that came by were across the whole spectrum of humanity. And the tremendous dignity he saw in each person that you're worthy of my time, you're worthy of my dollar, you're worthy of you know, my blessing, you're worthy of dignity. People who are fake leaders, they only see each other as, what can I get out of you? How many connections do you have? How are you going to advance me in the world I want? You know, they have a wonderful word, DJ, that came out, that came out in the past, I don't know, decade or two, maybe older, but the word's networking. Have you heard the word networking? So you go to a scene, right? We're going to have a bunch of young entrepreneurs and we're going to network. Now, there's something very positive about it, but there's also something very condescending because you're sitting across there and you're not looking at anybody. <laughs> you're just looking and saying, how is she going to help me get to him, network me so that I could get to the CEO of that business? I could do it. So at least everybody knows what they're coming in for. So everyone knows that everyone's going to try to network each other as means to an end. But you think about it, it's such a, 
such a weird space to be in where everybody is just asking, how can you help me advance? I get it. I get it. We have to help each other, etc. But we have to make sure that although we do have to use connections to move ahead in life, to not turn the sum total of our relationships into, what can you do for me? But rather, spend time with the person and show them that you care about them. You are intrinsically valuable. You are worthy of my time because you're worthy of God's time. And if God saw it as purposeful to put you in this world... And to wake you up this morning, then who am I to say that you're a waste of my time? You're not a waste of his time. And how do you know that you have so much more than that person? Who says your time is really that much quality? Who says your hour doing your thing is more quality in God's eyes than that person doing that, person, that person's thing? How do you know that spending time with that person seemingly lower socioeconomic level or a lower person on the social ladder is going to be a waste of your hour? Maybe that is the greatness that you're waiting to accomplish. Maybe that's going to be the best hour of your life. One of the great stories of the Talmud is the individual who passes away. He has an out-of-body experience, and he says that when he comes up to heaven, Oylam hafuch isi. I saw an upside-down world. I saw that the people who are above, down here in this world, are below in that world. In other words, they're, they're lower on the ladder. And the people who are low in this world are higher there. In other words, you look at that person, not much of a success, lonely, never made a life for themselves, seemingly, never made money, never managed to build a good relationship, etc. And we have a word in Yiddish, it's called nebach. It's a nebach. You know, you feel sorry for them. So you'll do a favor. But how do you really know that in God's eyes that person's a nebach? Maybe you're the nebach. One thing, one idea that we can permeate in our minds is that we have no idea the value of another human being. You don't. We try to make sense of who each other are based on how much money the person has a bank account and how successful that person is based on our standards. But you have no idea. There's a beautiful story which I've shared before about somebody who comes to the great sage, Rab Shmuel of Lubavitch, about 150 years ago. And he's a diamond dealer. And he's talking to Rab Shmuel about a certain individual, a common acquaintance. And Rab Shmuel says, wow, that person's an incredible human being. And he turns to this rabbi and he says, rabbi, forgive me, I know that person. And in my not-so-humble opinion, he's not that cool. I don't know why the rabbi thinks so highly of him. I don't think he's so high. The rabbi says, tell me, what do you do for a living? He says, I'm a diamond dealer says, do you have some diamonds with you? He says, actually, I do. And he takes a little packet. Rebbe says, do you mind spreading it on the table? Says, yes. And the Rebbe looks at one diamond and says, wow, that's beautiful. And he says, Rebbe, no, it's not. That's actually a piece of junk. And how about that thing? 
that's beautiful. The Rebbe says, nah, I, I disagree. I think that piece is a piece of junk. And he looks at the Rebbe and the cynical smile, and he says, Rebbe, when you talk about diamonds, you have to be a maven. You have to understand in diamonds. And the Rebbe looks at him and says, and before you talk about a human being, you have to be a maven in souls. Before you judge somebody else, you have to be a maven in souls. Do you know who's special? Do you know who's unique? Do you know who's going to heaven? One of the most sad songs I've ever heard, it's actually a a song, um, a Jewish song, sung by one of the famous singers who's going to stay nameless, talks about the fact that the reason that we have to do outreach to our fellow Jews is because if we don't bring them back to religion, they're not going to go in heaven. And I remember listening to that song and actually in disbelief. How in the world do you know who's going to heaven? Well, you St. Peter at Pearly's Gate and you're standing over there and you have a, 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 a list of who goes to heaven or not? You want to bring people closer to Judaism because it's good for their soul and that's and help them be true to who they are and it's going to make them happier. It's one thing. But you think you have a monopoly on heaven. You don't have a monopoly on anything. I don't have a monopoly on anything. Often people will say, Rabbi, pray for me. How do you know my prayers are more successful than yours? You think I have a monopoly on God? Each and every one of us underestimates how incredibly beautiful we are. Thinking that the other person is less than you or thinking that the other person is more than you are both ridiculous ideas because you have no idea. You have no idea. We barely know ourselves. To sit there comparing ourselves to sit there thinking that we know the key or we, or that the other person must know the key. So please pray on my behalf. It's a beautiful story. I'll tell you another story. Stories told about one of the great sages, the Baal Shem Tov, who traveled to a certain Jewish town, to a certain town, and he shows up and he sees that the innkeeper, he stayed in the inn, the innkeeper was a nice pious man. Every single morning he would read the entire prayer book. Now the entire prayer book, which has about enough four or five hundred pages, is not supposed to be read every day. There's prayers for the weekday and there's prayers for the Sabbath and there's prayers for holidays, but this guy couldn't figure it out. So he would pray the entire prayers every single week. Okay? Every day. A poor guy, the Baal Shem Tov had a little compassion on him, and he says, why are you doing this? He says, Rabbi, because I can't, I can't figure out which day goes for what. It's too confusing. So the Baal Shem Tov says, and if I help you and I put in papers to show you which pages to say on Sunday and which pages on Monday and which pages on th- Friday, great. Deal. Puts it together and he gives it to him and the Baal Shem Tov leaves the end. The story goes like this. So the Baal Shem Tov is traveling. The Baal Shem Tov was known as a famous miracle maker. And the story goes that he reaches a river and he needs to cross the river and he waves a handkerchief and he just goes across the river. Now that Jew who he just helped, as the Baal Shem Tov left his inn, all the papers fell out of his prayer book. So he starts chasing the Baal Shem Tov. He's running and running, and when he sees the Baal Shem Tov cross the river like that with a handkerchief, he takes out his handkerchief, and he ends up crossing the river like that as well. 
So he catches up to the Baal Shem Tov a minute later, and the Baal Shem Tov turns to him and says, how did you get her? He says, what do you mean? I did what you did. I waved a handkerchief, and I just crossed the river. And the Baal Shem Tov says, why are you here? He says, because all my pages fell out. And the Baal Shem Tov says, I think you should keep the pages out. You're obviously on a higher level than you can ever imagine. If you could do that miracle, obviously God loves the fact that your simple sincerity, that you, can, that you don't know what you're doing, but you're doing it with your whole heart, counts everything. As the famous words, Rahman Ali Babai, Hashem, God, loves a heart. He loves when people do things with their heart. And the message of the story is that person was a simpleton. The person was so simple, they couldn't figure out what to do on Sunday and what to do on Thursday and what to do on the Sabbath. That's basics. Anybody that opens a, a prayer book within two minutes can figure it out. That person just did not have the mental capacity to be able to figure it out. And still, in a way, he achieves the level of the greatest of great because he did it with his whole heart. So I might think, if I'm a whole academic and I'm a whole story, I'll look and I'll say, ah, simpleton, who are you? You know nothing. You have an IQ of 65. I have an IQ of 150. You never even graduated high school. And I have four PhDs. You could barely make 500 rand a month, and I'm making 500,000 rand a month. I'm a somebody. You're a nobody. Really? Really? Based on what? How do you know that? Do you have God's vision on a fellow human being? Are you convinced that God sees the person the same way you do? We create words like social status and bank account and looks and popularity and dynamic, and charismatic, and all these words to make us make sense of how important people are. Oh, that person, you have to meet them. They're so charismatic. So what? Some of the biggest scoundrels in history were charismatic. I'm not saying charisma is a bad thing, but let's be honest, Hitler was also charismatic. Now, you could use charisma in the right way, and you could use it in the wrong way, but just because somebody's charismatic doesn't tell you anything about the person. The person's an incredible speaker. Wow. There's a lot of people in this country, politicians and others, who are talking very well, but they're talking absolute rubbish. That person is so full of energy. Well, a lot of the ISIS killers are also full of energy. Let's not have shallow perceptions of each other. Let's not look at each other and judge each other on these simplistic, petty Ways of understanding one another. Let's have the courage to be able to look at each other and see each other for what we truly are. Souls and bodies. Innocents. God's ambassadors in this world. Some of us might be broken. Some of us might be more whole. But each and every one of us has a part of us that's so beautiful and whole. And if you can look in the other person and see that beauty then you're a true leader. Then you're a true person of God. If you can look past all the nonsense, and when you look at a person, it's not about, ooh, how popular is that person? How much money do they have? What can I get out of that person? How can you help me? But rather, I look at you and I see godliness. I see purity. I see holiness. I see 
innocence. I see a heart that wants to do the right thing. Then we can have a humanity that has, that's so much healthier. Imagine we looked at each other that way. You just look at the person and you look beyond the face, beyond the color, beyond the size of the beard, the color of the hair, the clothing the person wears. You look straight through and you see soul. Then truly, you're a great individual. And we need a few more of those. Here on 101.9, Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable the kindness, but it's unbelievable we're living in 2018. And what? And we don't have water. And we don't have water. We, we have cell phones, and we have technology, and we have airplanes, and we have rocket ships. But the same thing that Adam and Eve needed 6,000 years ago, we can't even give to people. Now, I'm not talking about the politics and, and, and the idiocy that they didn't use Israeli technology to help them. That's its own separate topic. But just the mere fact that we often think that in our world we're so sophisticated, we have everything. And Cape Town is one of the most beautiful cities of the world and surrounded by water. And we can't even have water. It just shows us how we take for granted the simplest things of life. Like the, we take it for granted that you'll turn your tap on and you'll have water. You'll go to a well and you'll have water. Whatever, like wherever, you know, if you, even if you live in a township, you'll, go, you'll walk somewhere and you'll get water. But you take it for granted that water will be there and suddenly, no, you don't. It's, it's mind-blowing, honestly. It's a mind-blowing concept of how we can be so advanced and still so primitive and how we still need God. <laughs> we think to modern man, ah, what do we need God for? We have a Samsung in my pocket. I have more technology in my pocket than what sent Neil Armstrong to the moon in 1969. Very nice. Everyone in Cape Town has cell phones and they still can't get a bottle of water. And my heart goes out, I'll be honest. Like, I, In no way do I want to come across... Um, you know, being cheap about it. It's a heartbreaking scenario. It's like, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's actually an unbelievable crisis that it's hard to believe that a modern, sophisticated city would struggle with in 2018. But for those of us in Joburg and those of us live, l- listening elsewhere other than Cape Town, next time you turn on your sink, say thank you if water comes out. You turn on the shower and you could actually take a shower that lasts more than 30 seconds. Or you don't have to shower in your pool. Say thank you. Like, the simplest things. Simple stuff. It's it's unbelievable. Honestly, like, we were totally on a different topic. But as I'm reading this, it just, like, it comes to mind about how how we have to remember how much we need God in our life. That all God needs to do is make a few thunderstorms in Cape Town and so much of the issues can be solved. Just a few. Some of the rain that we're getting in Joburg, if it just, you know, trickle down and go to Cape Town. To appreciate what we do have. Talking about rain. I heard a story, you know, we're talking about stories about how we underestimate people. 
stories told about a Jew who was living in Israel. And he was a very simple person. And once a week he would, it's similar to the story I said before actually, once a week he would go from the little um, dorp he lived in and go to the big city and would ask one of the rabbis to please help him all, prepare all the prayers for the coming week. Tell him what he did. Like he couldn't remember beyond a week. So what's coming this week? Passover? Okay, what do I have to do on Passover? Etc., etc. He would only come once a week on Monday morning. One time he shows up Monday morning and he sees that all the stores are closed. He wonders, it's not Sabbath today. Why is the stores closed? See, he runs to the rabbi and the rabbi tells him, oh, there's a fast day. He says, Rabbi, if there's a fast day, why didn't you tell me last week? I would say that the prayers... Were... He says, I'm so sorry. It was a last minute fast day. That means we just declared that yesterday is a fast day. Why? Because we don't have rain. So the, the Jewish custom is that when we need rain, we go, we'll fast, we'll pray, we'll ask God for rain. So he turns to the rabbi in like the most simple eyes and he says, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why do you have to fast? So the rabbi says, what do you mean? Because we want rain. He says, so why don't you do what I do? So the rabbi says, what do you do? He says, every time I need rain, I go out to my garden. I turn to God. I put my eyes up and I say, my dear father in heaven, I need rain. And it starts raining. So the rabbi says, if, you, if you're so well connected, why don't you do that? So the guy walks out of the room, <laughs> turns to God and says, God, your children need rain. You're a father. Give rain. And it starts pouring. Rain starts coming down. That's a story I was told when I was younger. What's the message of the story? The message of the story is the big rabbi and all the people are fasting and they can't pull a frame. But one person with a simple heart who sees God as a father, but not in, just in words, but for real, screams out to God and says, God, we're your children. And he means it with his whole heart. He's not saying it because that's what he has to say. He's saying because he feels it. And the gates of heaven open. This reminds us how we, we have so little understanding of each other. We have no idea who melts God's heart. That beggar who collected five rand and goes and gives one rand to somebody who's poorer than them. They might melt God's heart more than a hundred million rand given by somebody to some university. You never know. But you don't know not. What's big in our eyes and what's important in our eyes is very superficial. And if we want to be leaders like Moshe Rabbeinu, like Moses, if we want to be leaders like the leaders that we admire of old, we have to be like Moses who chased a sheep Stories told that there was a sheep. He was a shepherd, and one sheep ran away. He chased it for three days just to bring it back to its flock. Now you think about it. One sheep, come on. One sheep. One person. And there are incredible people out there. I know people who dedicate their lives to help drug addicts. I know a rabbi in this town who helps people drug addicts. I know another one who goes and visits people in prison. Another person who goes to an old age home. Different people who might go to, 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 to groups of people who are often forgotten about for whatever reason. And people who dedicate their time, not because they're going to get anything out of the person, not because they want the person to put them in their will, but because I see you. 
I see you as God's child. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've done with your life. It's irrelevant. You are worthy of God's love. You are worthy of my love. Here on 101.9, Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. It's 101.9 Chai FM, and we are wrapping up the show. And we actually have a great song to wrap up the show in just a few minutes. So, DJ, how do, we, how do we wrap up the show? What do we speak about today? We spoke about seeing each other as not means to an end. Yes. To see each other as beautiful. Yes. To look at another person and see beyond the nonsense. It's irrelevant. If in your eyes it's, they're considered a nebach, they're a waste, they're, they're a, sa- a sob story, they're a sad case, or they're super successful, slick, and made a whole life for themselves. It doesn't make a difference if they live in a shack or a mansion. They're a human being. And that is their single greatest value that they were created, just like Adam and Eve, in the image of God. And every single child of Adam and Eve, every child of Noah, every child of Abraham is created in the image of God. And is worthy of dignity, and worthy of respect, and worthy of life. Yes. Often we sit there saying, "Ah, the person doesn't." What kind of life is that? What's the point of living? They live in abject poverty. They're sick. They're not happy, etc. What's the point? So, living is only for people who are wealthy and healthy. What a pathetic version of life. Every moment of life is incredible. As we say in the prayers every morning, each soul will praise God. And the word soul, neshama, can also be translated as neshima, breath. Kol neshama, every breath that I have, I'll thank God for every breath of life, for every drop of water. I'll thank God because I appreciate that the cup of water that I'm going to have in just a moment is a gift from God. Being able to sit here and you know, be with you for the past few minutes on, the, on a credible technology. I know today radio is not the most sophisticated technology compared to where we're holding, but still incredible. To be able to sit here and talk and share and hopefully say something that resonates is a tremendous privilege and tremendous Great, so much to be grateful for. And I want to finish off, DJ, I don't know how you chose that song, but it's a great song. The song Hashem Loves You, because that's really the theme of the entire show. Hashem Loves You, a beautiful song by Ari Goldwag. Here on 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton signing off. Please, God, DJ, back next week, 1 o'clock, the Fabrengan Show every Tuesday, 1 to 2 in the afternoon, here in the High FM studio.